0: We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Outschool will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code PurpleRocket to learn all about Outschool summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. Previously on Pockets, Petey Coghlein and Pockets took a shortcut through the camp of Big Bad Bok Bok. The giant chicken wanted Pockets' pajamas and Petey's egg, so he challenged Pockets to a Bock off If Pockets won the fashion show, they'd get to pass Bok-Bok's bridge over the canyon for free. If he lost, he'd have to hand over the pajamas, Pete's egg, and all their treasure. Luckily, Pockets put on quite a show and beat the giant chicken at his own game. But he also offended him in the process. A feathery brawl broke out, and Pockets, Pete, and Coglin barely escaped across the bridge, with Tuga and his gizzards not far behind. And now for Episode 4, The Sleeping Caves. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents The Adventures of Pockets. hammered a rock against the rope of the suspension bridge. He hammered again and again, but the thick rope held firm. Tuga's horn blew again in the distance. "'Come on, Pockets!' Coglin shouted. "'There's no time!' She and Petey were waiting up ahead on the shell. Pockets glanced over his pajamas for the tenth time. No matter how hard he tried, he just couldn't think of any way to cut the bridge down with the trinkets he'd brought. "'Blast!' If only I'd brought my pocket knife. He was about to turn and run back to the shell when he got an idea. He pulled the glue stick from his pocket and started rubbing glue all over the bridge planks. What are you doing? Petey said. Are you working on a craft without me? Why on earth would I be working on a craft right now, Petey? Pockets growled, rubbing as fast as he could. Petey shrugged. Dunno. Maybe to take your mind off things. I like to knit when I'm stressed. Pity, honestly. Watch the attitude, Coglin barked. Pockets took a deep breath and tried to calm his temper. I'm making the bridge sticky, he said in a slightly calmer tone. The glue's not strong enough to make their feet stick, but it will feel gross and uncomfortable under their feet. They'll want to stop to get it off. Might buy us a little time. They finished covering the last plank with glue and then ran back to the shell. With a whip of the floss reins, the Krabby snapped to attention and pulled them further down the path. The sun was setting. Oranges, pinks, and yellows streaked across the sky. The colors dimmed as the shell rolled up to the caves just before nightfall. It was too dark to make out much detail of the caves. There were three of them rounded, covered in grass, trees, and moss on the top, craggy, overgrown, and uninviting. There was some healthy debate as to which of the three caves they should choose, but in the end, they decided on the one on the right, since Petey started waddling into it. "'We should camp here for the night,' Coglin said, once the shell had been dragged deep into the cave. "'Touga's known to need his beauty sleep. "'He'll likely camp in Bokbox village for the night.' In the morning, we can continue deep into the cave and out the other end. Petey looked around at the dark cave nervously. How we know it's morning? Coggers always know the time, Coglin assured him. It's one of our duties in Yondra to keep the time. She looked over at Pockets, who was hitting two rocks together next to a crayon. What are you doing? I'm getting us some light, Pockets said, and again he smashed the rocks together. I almost have it. A couple more hits and a spark caught the crayon's paper on fire. The waxy tip lit like a candlestick. Holding it up, he lets some of the colorful melted wax drip into a puddle on his old watch and then pressed the crayon candle onto it. After a few seconds, it stuck straight up on the wristwatch. Pockets held up his new wrist light to show the others and smiled. See? Light! (laughs) Neat, Petey said, and his voice echoed through the cave. It'll be nice to have some light. I don't much like the dark. He glanced around and squeezed his egg tight. He gave it a repulsed sniff and held it away.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes, this young'un's a stinker. "'Smells a lot worse than usual. <sniffs> "'Platypus babies are stinky, but even for us this is early.'
0: He gave it another sniff and then plugged his nose.
1: <sniffs> oh,
0: "'Smells like eggs.' "'That was a quick change,' Coghleon noted. "'Are you sure it's okay?' "'Oh yeah, it's fine. I can feel it moving around in there. "'It is much warmer than usual.' Sometimes it gets really hot. I may be sitting on it too much. He looked at his egg. Am I sitting on you too much, baby? Is daddy keeping you too toasty? He held the egg against his cheek and waited. Huh? It swirled around twice. That means yes. I'll give it a little more space. Not a bad idea, Pockets agreed. He held up his watch and turned around. Now that there was a little flickering light, some of the cave's surroundings came into view. Water dripped down the slimy, wet rock walls. Vines coiled down and across the floor. There were a few pools and a little stream that curved away into the darkness. The stalactites and stalagmites were curved like fangs, and there were faint chirping sounds overhead. Petey gulped. "'I think I'm gonna stay in the shell.' Does that sound good to you? He asked the egg. Two flips I definite yes. Nonsense, Pockets said. Let's have a look around. It's not every day you find yourself in a cave like this. It's beautiful. Pockets looked around in awe. I wouldn't mind having a look, Coglin said. I've only heard of the caves, and now that I'm here it would be silly not to explore a bit. I've heard crazy stories, but... She looked back at P.D., who was practically shaking. I'll save those tall tails for another time. Peetie squeezed his egg tight and mumbled. It's okay, sweet pea. I gotcha. is here. You either come with us or stay here in the dark with the crabbies, Pocket said, pointing to his crayon candle. Petey looked back at the giant crabs, who were groaning and complaining about everything. All right, I'm coming, he finally said. But I'm warning you, when I get lost, I make a very unsettling crying sound. Pockets was intrigued. Let's hear it. Petey let out an obnoxious moan that echoed through the cave. Pockets' eyebrows shot up. That is unsettling. Let's be sure not to get lost. Holding his watch candle out in front of him, he led the way deeper into the cave. Pockets and Cogleen marveled at the endlessly high ceilings and the waterfalls that cascaded down over glittering silver mineral deposits. There were narrow hallways with dozens of holes leading up to the outside, where bright moonbeams streaked through. There was a giant stone archway with long, wet spiderweb strands that dangled down to the ground and twinkled in the firelight. Petey tried to keep his gaze straight ahead. He walked so close behind pockets that he kept stepping on the backs of his ankles. Ow! Sorry! Ouch! Sorry! Really? Sorry! After exploring a few more rooms, they came to a stop in front of a deep pool and took a break. Did you hear what Bok-Bok said back there? Pockets asked once they were settled. That you have a terrible fashion sense, Petey said. Pockets blinked at him. When did he say that? Oh, I don't know, it just seemed like something he'd say. I'm talking about what he said about the two humans that passed through wearing pajamas like these. Pockets tugged on his pocketed pajama. A man and a woman, he said. So, Coglin shrugged, is that not normal clothing for humans to wear? Definitely not, Pockets laughed. Look, it's hand-stitched. This was made especially for me. By whom? Petey asked. Pockets pointed at him. Exactly. I don't know. What if it was these people from Beyondra that Bok-Bok mentioned? I washed up on an island when I was little. My Otis scooped me up and cared for me, but he never found my parents. What if these pocketed pajama people... What if they're your parents? Coglin finished. Pockets nodded. Then we gotta find him! Petey shouted, and then gasped with realization. <gasps> "'We can both be reunited with our families. It'll be a family reunion!' Petey was finally starting to look like his chipper self. "'We're in no hurry, of course,' Pockets said. "'We can visit this Beyondra after we've completed the king's special quest.' "'And after we find my wife and eggs,' Pete added. "'And after that,' Pockets agreed.' But if I don't at least try to find them after all this, I'll always wonder. He gazed into the flickering light of his crayon candle. Melted wax dripped down the sides and pooled around the watch. "'Isn't this Otis your parent?' Coglin said. "'Otis? No, he isn't my parent. He just takes care of me.' "'Does he love you?' Pockets chuckled. "'Well, yeah, he loves me.' Cogline shrugged. Isn't that what a parent is? Someone who loves you and watches out for you? Pockets had to think about that one. Otis had always cared for him as if he were his own. Sort of, he finally said. But it's it's different. He's not the one who created me, you know? I don't know, Coglin said quietly. She looked down at the ground. "'I don't have anyone that would even resemble a parent.' "'But I saw Cogger families back in Cogtown,' Pocket said. "'Surely you have someone?' "'Cogglean shook her head. "'I was different. "'I wasn't created to be in a family with parents, grandparents or siblings. "'I was created for a specific purpose. to "'Open the castle gate. "'A Cog key is created and then expected to serve only that purpose.' But you've already done more things than that, Petey noted. Yeah, Pocket said. You helped save your people from Tuga. Perhaps, Coglin said sadly, or they have been recaptured and are under Tuga's control. We may have only saved ourselves in the end. She let out a long sigh. (sighs) And while I'd love to have a supportive family behind me, I must do my duty alone pockets felt bad for the little metal girl. He could only imagine how lonely it'd be not to have someone to come home to. We can be your family, Petey said. You can be an auntie to me egg. Cogline smiled. Thank you, Petey. You have a good heart. Not as good as my wife. I can't wait for you all to meet her. She's the most wondrous creature in the whole world. On the day we had our eggs, she finished making these ridiculous little round outfits. I says, Hoy, why are you making them so round? You betin' we're going to have some fat babies? And she says, I'm making them for the eggs. Petey smiled and stroked his egg. She was taking care of them even while they were still in the shell, treating them like they were already hatched. Pockets put his hand on the platypus's shoulder. We'll find him, Petey. I know it. Petey smiled and his big, innocent eyes shone in the candlelight. I know. I can feel it in me bones. Cogleen rubbed her metal chin. Where did you and your wife live before getting split up, Petey? Petey scrunched up his face as he thought. Hmm, you know, I can't remember. What do you mean you can't remember? Pocket said. I mean, Petey's eye twitched as he thought as hard as he could. I really can't remember. I remember moments together, lots of happy moments, and then the storm. Most of my memories before it were getting blurry. Pockets could tell that this sudden revelation was quite upsetting for the platypus. I'm sure your wife will know the way home, he assured him. But deep down, Pockets had his doubts. He was hopeful they would find her someday, but if she was anything like Petey, she too probably didn't know the way home. He observed the platypus's sad expression and could only imagine how he felt being separated from the rest of his family. They had to be worried sick. Pockets remembered how Otis used to teach him that the secret to feeling for others is to try to remember a time when you felt something similar. P. "'He'd said. If ye ever see someone hurtin', try and think of a time that ye were hurtin' too. "'A time when ye'd fallen down and got banged up. A time when ye felt lonely. A time when someone made ye feel bad. Pull up that feeling, and ye'll be able to understand that person better. Remember that, boy.' Pockets remembered. He thought back on a time when he and Otis were separated. They'd run out of fish on the shorelines of Split Rock.' The five-fishing-pole gadget Otis had created kept pulling in nothing but seaweed. So Otis packed a bag, gave Pockets a hug, and set out on a rowboat to find more food at sea. Before he left, it said, See that sun on the horizon, Pockets? Pockets wiped a tear and nodded. Well, don't stare at it, lad. I'll be coming back from that direction, where the sun sets. If you ever feel lonely while I'm gone... ''Just glance out at the sunset and know that I'm out that way, and I'll be back. I love ye.'' Pocket smiled to himself in the cave. He had done as Otis had said, and he had come back not too long after, sailing ashore with the sunset on his back. ''You should tell us about your wife every night,'' Pockets told Petey. ''It might help you get through the hard parts of the journey.'' Petey smiled big. ''I'd like that very much.'' Cogleen noticed something in the deep pool in front of them. "'What is that down there?' The look on her face made Petey jump and hide behind Pockets. Pockets got to his feet and held his crayon candle over the dark water. "'I can't tell,' he said. "'Here.' He took the mirror out of his pocket and reflected the candlelight off it and aimed the light at the objects in the water. "'They're chests,' Cogleen said with surprise. "'Treasure chests?' Pockets whispered. He stared down at the open, empty chests at the bottom of the pool. There must have been a dozen of them. But where's the treasure? Pity said, summoning the courage to step out from behind Pockets. I wonder what else is down there? Pockets said. Unsatisfied with his limited view, he emptied his pockets but held on to a piece of gum. He broke off the top of the crayon candle and started chewing the gum. ''What are you doing?'' Coglin asked, looking him over. Pockets held up a finger and then made his one crayon candle into two and handed one of them to Coglin. After several more chews, he blew a big bubble, poked a little hole in it, and quickly stuffed the candle into the bubble and sealed it shut. The result was an impressive little bubble light. Ooh, pretty,'' Petey said. ''Can I have one?'' ''No,'' Pockets said. "'Stay here and don't play with the trinkets. I'll be right back.' "'Without warning, he dove into the water. "'Pockets!' Coglin shouted. "'She and Pity watched as Pockets' little bubble light sunk deeper and deeper under the surface. "'Down below, Pockets held out his light and swam towards the chests. "'When he reached them, he looked around. "'Everything was sort of blurry, but he could make out enough to know that the chests were empty.' Next to them, he saw hundreds upon hundreds of woven baskets. They too were empty. He wasn't down there long before the urge to take a breath was too much. With a hard kick, he pushed off the bottom of the pool and swam to the surface. "'What'd you find?' Coglin said, relieved to see him emerge in one piece. (sighs) "'Nothing,' Pocket said, hopping out of the pool and shaking the water off his pajamas. One by one, he put the trinkets back into his pockets. A whole lot of nothing. Just a bunch of empty chests and baskets. Baskets? Cogleen's gears raised an eyebrow. What would a bunch of empty baskets be doing at the bottom of a pool in a cave? Petey broke the silence with a gasp. Maybe it's a wishing well. And and people brought their offerings in baskets. I'll be right back. He turned to leave, but then stopped himself. ''Could you maybe come with me? I could use some light.'' Coghlein looked back at Pockets, who shrugged. ''Let's make it quick,'' she said. Pockets waited for them to come back, and when they did, Petey was carrying an armful of treasure. The platypus headed straight for the pool. Pockets sprang in front of him. Whoa, 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 whoa. ''Where do you think you're going with that?'' I tried to stop him, Coglin said, running up behind Petey. What's it look like I'm doing? I'm making an offering. You can't just look at the water and make a wish. You gotta throw something in. You can't just throw a bunch of our treasure away, Pocket snapped. They could feel himself getting hot. Here, throw my quarter in for all I care. He took the quarter out of his pocket, but as he did, Petey tossed the load of treasure into the deep pool. No! Coglin yelled. Petey! Pockets growled. Petey folded his arms and looked at them. The bigger the offering, the bigger the wish. And my wish is awful big. His voice cracked on the last words. There was a long silence in the cave as Pockets looked at the treasure that was floating down to the bottom of the pool. He took a deep breath and calmed himself. He knew what Petey had wished for, and it was a big wish. Who was he to deny him such an offering? Petey had been the one to scrounge up most of the treasure from the Pella Pirates, after all. Without saying a word, Pockets walked off into the darkness. A minute later, he returned, dragging the shell's hammock behind him. It was overflowing with treasure. Pockets, no, Coglin said as she watched him march towards the pool. No, 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 no! Pockets walked right by her and dumped the rest of the treasure into the pool. Coins, bracelets, jewels, tiaras, all of it glittered like falling snow as it sank into the pool's shadows. We all have very big wishes, Pockets said, tossing the hammock over his shoulder. And we're gonna need all the luck we can get. P.D. laughed and clapped his hands. Are you mad? Coglin stepped in front of Pockets. Do you realize what you've done? i would never seen so many riches in all of Yondra. That's just it, Pockets said. The longer we hold on to it, the more problems it'll cause. Everywhere we go, we'll be worrying about protecting it. And every time someone finds out about it, they're willing to do anything to get it from us. We're better off without it. He gave the little metal girl a pat on the shoulder and walked past her, whistling and holding a smaller crayon candle out in front of him on his watch. Peedy followed after him and left Cogleen standing by the pool, dumbstruck. Is everyone from beyond truth is crazy? she muttered. That night, they camped out in the shell. Peedy slept in the hammock. Cogleen took the corner and made a little nest of blankets to sleep on. And Pockets, he spent the night sleeping in the curve of the shell opening. He wanted to keep a lookout in case Tuga and his gizzards, or anything from the caves, tried to wander into their shell while they slept. Eventually, he drifted off to sleep to the dripping sounds of the cave, thinking about their big wishes and the offering they'd made at the pool. Pockets awoke the next morning to Coghlein poking him with a little metal finger. "'Wake up, boy!' she said. My gears are telling me it's morning. Pockets rubbed his eyes and sat up. What's that smell? He sniffed the air and grimaced. Oh, that's putrid. It's been like that ever since I woke up, Coglin said, waking the crabbies who were groaning and waving her away with their claws. There's a rank gust of wind blowing through the caves. We would better get going in case a storm's blowing through and the caves flood. What's that? Petey said, pointing down towards the cave entrance. They could see a distant reflection of light blinking on and off every few seconds. Something's happening outside, Pocket said. Come on. He, Coghleen, and Petey ran to the cave entrance and skidded to a stop as it came into view. The wide cave opening was moving up and down, accompanied by a strange, deep moaning sound that carried on the rank breeze. Pockets could feel the vibrations up and down his back. It can't be, he whispered. Follow me and watch your step. He dashed out of the moving cave and nearly tripped as the opening moved beneath his feet. Pockets, wait, Cogling cried. She and Petey reluctantly hurried after him. As soon as they were outside, they turned to see what Pockets was staring at. Dust blew out of two large holes above the cave opening. Two cracks in the rock split, and a giant pair of green eyes blinked open. The craggy boulders and stalagmites around the edges of the entrance now resembled teeth, the entrance itself a mouth. The cave, Petey said, stumbling backward. It's alive, Pockets finished. With another booming groan, the cave giant pulled its face from the ground.
1: Mm.
0: Trees split and cracked, earth rumbled, dust cascaded. The ground in front of them broke away and slowly a giant face was looking down at them. Green moss, deeply rooted trees and boulders poked out of a rounded back that curved up to an enormous squat head Much of the giant's body still remained attached to the earth, but its chest and shoulders, both made of solid rock, loomed over them like a mountain ready to fall on top of them. The giant groaned, and again they smelled the stink of its sulfurous breath. The cave next to the giant shook at the word, its entrance opening and closing, a breath of wind blowing through its tunnels. There was a split, crack, and rumble as two eyes blinked open and another cave giant sat up, this one looking considerably more feminine than the first. Long grass hung down from her wide face like hair. Their movements were impossibly slow and cumbersome. The sheer size of the creatures and the fact that something so large could be alive was shocking and left pockets Cogline and Petey speechless. The female cave giant let out a groan herself that sounded like. Hingua. After which, the third, smaller cave also shook off its dust and came alive. Despite the wrinkly look of a rocky face, this one had a more youthful appearance. Its cheeks were more rounded and smooth. Its teeth were few and scattered. A bird fluttered into its nostril, and the little giant sneezed a burst of feathers. Huh?
1: Huh? Huh?
0: Petey snickered.
1: (laughs) That one's kind of cute.
0: All three giants slouched over pockets Coglin and Petey, and stared with their enormous green eyes. Birds fluttered between the trees, sticking out sideways along their rounded backs. A confused fox scurried to the female giant's forehead and looked down with bulging eyes before running down its back. Uh, Um, hello. Pockets finally said. The enormous presence of the giants was making him tremble. He wasn't sure if they were going to crush them or gobble them up.
1: Yondrin,
0: the male giant grumbled. My name is Pockets. This is Cogleen of Cogtown and Petey of... Well, that's Petey. Petey held his egg under one arm and gave a friendly wave with the other. I am Bongra, said the biggest giant. This is Nongra,
1: and our little one is Hingra.
0: Little Hingra's innocent eyes were going cross-eyed as it watched a lizard crawl up its nose to its forehead. Um, nice to meet you, Pocket said with a slight bow. You? have awakened us, said Nongra, the girl giant. She looked down at them curiously. Oh, we're sorry, Coglin said. We didn't mean to disturb you.
1: Disturb
0: us, boomed Bongra, the male giant.
1: You have saved
0: us. Pockets, Pete, and Coglin looked at each other in surprise. How did we save you exactly? Pockets asked.
1: You made
0: an offering, uh, Bongra rumbled. You broke the curse, added Nongra. Behundra said the young giant next to her in a voice that would have been considered cute if it weren't still so low and intimidating. I might be from Biondra, yes, Pocket said. That is something we're hoping to find out. But first, we seek an audience with the king. The king? Bongra sat up a little more, and the rock somehow turned above his eyes, creating a rocky scowl.
1: Why would you... One to see the king. Uh,
0: well, Pocket
1: swallowed, we
0: were hoping to help him with a quest. He's called for the greatest heroes of Yondra to assist him. We're also looking for me wife and eggs, Petey jumped in. Have you seen the most stunning platypus to ever waddle the earth? She may have come this way. We have been in a deep sleep, Nongra purred. We have not seen her. Petey nodded sadly and stepped back.
1: We do not, not take, take kindly to the, the king and his heroes,
0: Bongra thundered. Why's that?
1: Pocket said. He is the one that had us cursed. For many years he had the people pay tribute to us in exchange for our protection. But the offerings soon stopped. And the king had the treasure removed. He ordered a wizard to put us to sleep. Wizard's magic must have a counterspell. And the spell that would break the curse was for someone to make another offering. A sincere offering, Nongra
0: added, from the heart. Heart, little Hingra mimicked. The king, Bongra continued,
1: sent out a decree that none should make an offering ever again. Those who did were sentenced to death.
0: Pockets was quite taken aback by this news. He looked at Coglin for answers. "'I told you the king wasn't the most friendly person in Yondra,' she whispered. Pockets turned back to the giants. "'I'm glad we could help. "'We aren't friends of the king, but we would still like to speak with him. "'Is there any way you could grant us passage so we can continue our journey to the castle?'
1: "'Grant you passage?'
0: Bongra looked stern again. Rocks tumbled down his back and more birds fled. Pockets cowered back and braced himself for a crushing blow. For the Beyondrend
1: and his friends, who woke the giants with a sincere gift, we will carry you as far as the Crying Cliffs.
0: Oh, that would be amazing. Coglin beamed. Pockets peeked out at the giant and lowered his shielding arms. Wow! Thank you. We would greatly appreciate your help. How do you plan on carrying us exactly? P.D. wondered aloud. Moments later, they were back in Bongra's mouth, leaning against the giant turtle shell and staring out at Yandra from above the trees giants rose from the earth, shook the dust from their creaky joints, and slowly lumbered through the forest. Pockets could feel his heart racing from the thrill of soaring above the trees, resting in a giant's mouth, no less. He looked down and watched the slow, steady strides of the giant's enormous, vine-covered stone legs. Creek stomp. Creak, stomp. Creak, stomp. To either side, Nongra and Hingra took soaring steps over the trees, their grassy backs slouching, their long dangling stone and wood arms dragging over the treetops. Their labored breaths were as deep as thunder. Their wide, craggy feet left deep trenches everywhere they stepped. The gust of wind that blew into the caves countered the sulfurous breaths of the giants and made breathing the air bearable. Even so, the crabbies wanted no part of it. The blue crabs scurried behind the shell for cover. Pockets put his fists on his hips, felt the cool air blow through his hair, and gazed out at the setting sun, dipping below a stretch of cliff, foaming with waterfalls. Back at Bokbok's bridge, Tuga and his gizzards struggled to wipe glue off the bottoms of their feet, a trail of chicken feathers led back across the bridge to Bokbok's camp. The camp itself was a giant pile of feathers. Grumbling, the gizzards scrubbed glue off their feet. first the tripwire, now this, they whined. Stop your complaining, Tuga roared, pushing over a gizzard who was wiping his feet and groaning. Bunch of ninnies! The fishing boat Tuga wore rattled and clanged as he turned to observe the tracks around them. He crouched down, lowered his fat lizard head, and sniffed at the biggest track. It was a wide track, impossible to miss, one they'd been following since Cogtown. It was the track of something big being dragged through Yondra. There was something familiar about it. Sir, look! one of the gizzards shouted. Tuga snarled and got to his feet. As his scaly eyes followed where the gizzard pointed, they widened. In the distance, over the treetops, three giants were slowly walking away. Tuga's face sagged.
1: Impossible.
0: Okay, Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Pockets. Uh, I am loving this world of Yandra. It's pretty crazy. I'm having a lot of fun exploring it with you guys. Uh, I want to thank my mom, Roxanne Webb, for looking over the story with such short notice. And Jeremy from HarmoniousIdeas.com for his help editing the audio. And I want to give a very special shout-out to some of our patrons Jackie and her kids, Joe and Abby, thank you so much for listening. I hope you're liking where Pockets is going. I also want to shout out Jasper, Arthur, and Aurelia, who live in San Francisco. I know you guys love the Candy Cobbler, and you're big fans of movies and Lego. I mean, you guys have some pretty cool interests, I have to say, when I heard about you. So Jasper, Arthur, and Aurelia in San Fran, thank you so much for your support and for listening to the show I also want to give a big thank you to Elliot and his mom, Tiffany. And lastly, six-year-old Margot and her mom, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for your support. Margo, it sounds like you have a pretty amazing impression of the Jolly Leafer from Winglings. I'd love to see a picture of this vision of yours. The Jolly Leafer. I love the Jolly Leafer. If I could have a Jolly Leafer treehouse in my backyard or like a big pirate ship with like the giant leaf sail... How cool would that be? Like rope bridges going to like different trees and platforms, like a, like a, a zip line. Oh man. It's like different layers of nets that you climb up higher into the trees. All right, I'm going to get crazy here. I'm going to get crazy because I want that now. And thank you so much. Patrons. If you want to support the show, Rocketeers, you can go to patreon.com slash purple rocket podcast. Uh, you can get the ad free episodes, early released episodes and some extra stories and a shout out. Check it out. Patreon.com. You could also, for Christmas, you can order some merchandise from the Teespring store. You can go to the purplerocketpodcast.com and shop and look. Uh, there should be a link in there to get to that merchandise. I know some of you have asked about that. I also want to read a few Apple reviews. This one is from Layla, 10 year old Layla. She says, I love this podcast. It's so descriptive and it's just amazing. Me and my sister listen to it, and we are big fans of this podcast. My favorite is Camp Dino. Keep adding stories. Thank you, Layla. I love Camp Dino, too. It's one of my personal favorites. I definitely want to come back for a season two sooner rather than later. It's kind of hard, Rocketeers, when you have a bunch of different series and you want to do sequel seasons to basically all of them. So I've got to be strategic there. But Camp Dino, I definitely want to come back, too. This one's from Mia. I think this podcast is great. and I just started listening to Camp Down, and I can tell all the other ones are going to be great. Uh, thank you for reading this. Mia, you're awesome. Thanks for being gracious. Uh, some of these other reviews, like Winglings Under the Willow Tree some people's favorites. Um, I love it. You even put – a lot of people put their suggestions in there for new seasons. Rocketeers, I love the feedback, and I love – Hearing from you and your experience, uh, it makes it all worth it. I hope you all have an amazing holiday season. Whatever holidays you plan on celebrating in the coming couple months, I am really excited to celebrate it myself with the family. And it's funny, I don't know if it's uh, a pandemic-induced desperation to infuse some holiday cheer into our home, but we've already started decorating for the holidays It would normally be a little early, you know, watching uh, some movies and putting Garland up and stuff like that. But apparently we're looking to get festive ASAP in the web house. So, And hopefully we can get this six-month-old baby sleeping. That would be nice. And then things will really feel festive for me. Rocketeers, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check back for a new episode.
1: Until next time, this is your host, Greg Webb.